This is a Yellow Wave production. New Year's Eve, everyone. It's here, the end of 2019. Which, okay, New Year's Eve is usually like a love hate thing I found with most people. And usually I'm not a fan of it. But when you're going into 2020, how the hell do you not love it? How do you not just feel like a little kid again talking about the future and, and the time 2020 was so incomprehensible? Like, our minds were not able to fully wrap around that. I don't know that it is right now. I just can't even believe it. 2020 is here. Oh, it's so exciting. I personally, if you can't tell, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I actually found something really cool the other day. Somebody had posted this somewhere. I don't remember where. Sorry. Um, and I don't have a name to give credit, but it's pretty cool. So Basically, they pointed out that if you were born in the 80s, raised in the 90s, and make it to 2020, you have lived in four different decades, two different centuries, two different millennia, and you're not even 40 yet. Give yourself a pat on the back and just soak that up because basically, if you're born in the 80s, you didn't have to do anything but be born to do all those things. That's really, whoever thought of that and figured that out is, thank you. That just made my day. Um, so as far as this topic today, <laughs> change of plans, plot twist, almost always the case with me, but this one was one I intentionally changed because the one I had chosen as I was reading it, skimming through it, I don't know how to explain how I pick the topics each week. It's just like a feeling kind of, sometimes it's one that I've been wanting to do or the timing of it feels right, but this week... I had chosen one that is by far the heaviest, darkest, just most morbid and de depraved, I, anything you can think of, like think of if hell existed, that, but even worse, in my opinion, it was so heavy and so dark. And I plan on doing it eventually. I just had to put it on the back burner because I was not even fully getting the facts yet, just skimming through and I, I was crying. Because it just, it really, like even right now I'm tearing up thinking about it. It's just so, oh, it's bad. It's a bad one. Um, but it happened. And until recently, it wasn't allowed to be told. And you might be like, what the hell is she talking about? That's a whole different thing. Uh, it happened in a different country. And it there was a law for that case specifically, I believe. As I mentioned, I don't have all the facts yet. So I could be wrong. I never claimed to be completely right, but they were banned from talking about it. Anyone, it couldn't be told until recently. And so my theory, my not theory, the reason I do what I do with true crime is because obviously I'm fascinated by it innately. You can't just like grow that hobby or choose that. I don't think it's just like it's in you or it's not. And it's in a lot more people than you'd think. 
Um, so with that being said, and with it being so much more acceptable now for so many different reasons, um, not that that has ever stopped me before, but it does make it easier to like have listeners too. More people are listening because they're more open about it. But the reason I talk about these is not for like fun. It's not fun for me in that sense. It's just something I find interesting and needs to be talked about. But I do it because these things have happened. These are stories about people. And I try to do it in a way that's respectful to that. But it's also like an in-memoram. Like this shit happened to somebody and it matters. They matter. And to talk about it, especially the unsolved cases, because you never know who's listening. You never know who knows something and didn't know they knew it. You never know when somebody will see or hear something that sparks that memory of, oh my gosh, I think I saw that guy. Or I, wait, this sounds familiar. And then you just never know. It can't hurt to talk about it and share it, especially with those who enjoy it as well. So grab a bevy, get cozy, grab some champagne. It is champagne day. You're going to hear about that later. Whatever you got to do to enjoy yourself and this episode, because this is a little bit of a lighter topic. The title of this episode says it all. Hindsight is 2020. Hopefully for these people who attempted to murder and or harm celebrities. So that's what we're doing. We're going to talk about celebrities who've survived murder attempts. This is an article from uh, Ranker, by the way, to give good credit, due credit by Mike Rothschild. It's not going to be verbatim, but that'll tell you where I got this information. So it's kind of crazy because celebrities who have survived these murder attempts, Atticus, seriously, that's my great day, just wants to be heard. He just can't help it. It's, it's a, almost a new moon. If not a new moon, I can't even keep the, my time straight. What day is it? Are we on, is it Friday? Is it Monday? Because it, it's Friday, but it feels like Monday. Also, I feel like I'm in a twilight zone. Anyways, we're going to bring it back to the beginning. It's kind of crazy that celebrities who have actually survived murder attempts, they, it doesn't, you, you think like maybe it's just like one genre or something like that. It's not even close, which makes sense because what, why would it be? It's like my mind automatically wants to compartmentalize everything. Um, they range from rappers who are involved in deadly beefs to stars who were in the wrong place at the wrong time to A-listers with vicious stalkers. Uh, in some cases, the celebrities actually knew their attackers. In others, unknown assailants plotted the crime and they wanted financial gain, stardom, who even knows, really. Um, there's also, obviously, accounts of mentally unstable individuals with celebrity fixations who tried to murder these celebrities, which is crazy to me because, so say you're like fixated on somebody, you're obsessed with them to kill them. I don't understand where the two connect. I would think it'd be the opposite. You'd like want to protect them or something or get to know them. But to, I don't know. I, I cannot relate to that at all. Obviously, that's a good thing. It means I'm not mentally unstable, at least in that capacity. 
so like while so think about it, we got like John Lennon and Marvin Gaye they actually did die from these attacks the celebrities in the list I'm about to read you are those who survived an actual attempt on their life or were very very blessed to actually completely avert the attempt all right all right all right all right all right all right i'm just realizing looking at this guy's picture how tiny his little hands are <laughs> and how skinny he is anyways i digress on december 30th 1999 liverpool native michael abram jumped the fence at george harrison's oxfordshire estate carrying a large knife reason number one if you had if it was like now where there's nest cameras and all these cameras everywhere, that's when you start to freak the fuck out. He smashed a window and has made his way inside. I'm sorry. What, what is that? What are words? He smashed a window and made his way inside. There we go. Where Harrison and his wife, Olivia confronted him. Abram began screaming at the ex beetle who charged at him and tried to knock the knife out of his hand. Abram stabbed Harrison several times in the chest, then went after Olivia and tried to strangle her with a lamp cord. Police arrived and took Abram into custody. In court, Abram revealed he believed the Beatles were witch. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, again, re- let me remind you, I don't read this shit ahead of time, so I'm my reactions are just real life. Cue the sirens in the background. Great timing, guys. It's like I've got the whole town working for me for backup. Um, (laughs) So he believed that the Beatles were witches and he was on a mission from God to kill Harrison, whom he believed to be the devil. I'm curious to know why Harrison specifically was the devil. Like, what did he do? What did he say to make this guy think that he was like the worst one, like the the leader of the evil witches, whatever. The courts found Abram not guilty by reason of insanity, that makes fucking sense, and committed him. Oh no. Harrison died less than two years later of cancer. The institution released Abram in 2002. Released him, like, because he died? Okay, that's when he died. So they really, they didn't release him. They just gave his body back. Whatever. Um, now, I, so I want to know what kind of mental issues were going on, but I really, really want to know what kind of cancer he had because, or if it was being treated or how it was treated, if it was treated prior to this attempt. I don't know, but that is interesting. So then the next one is Bjork. In 1996, obsessive stalker Ricardo Lopez sent a letter bomb to Icelandic pop singer Bjork. Lopez, who was 21, had been infatuated with her for several several years, writing a diary of over 800 pages devoted to her. Shit, son. Uh, these included dozens of references to suicide and murder, which is sad. Upon learning she was in a relationship, Lopez reportedly snapped. That's so terrifying because, like, you can't even live your life without knowing who it's affecting in such an unhealthy way. So he filmed over 20 hours of footage that consisted mostly of him ranting. Then he sent the singer a hollowed-out book with a bomb in the middle. 
Afterward, he shot himself on camera while a Bjork song played in the background. Luckily, the police found the bomb beforehand. They intercepted it. It never reached her. Thank God. Holy shit, though. That's so sad because you guys have to remember there's so many victims in all of this. Anytime someone does something like that, there are so many victims. That person's family, the perpetrator's family, for one, their friends, um, anyone who had a feeling that something wasn't right and didn't follow through or, I mean, the list goes on and on. I I could talk about that all night. Just keep in mind, don't blame anybody else, just them. And even them, some of them are so mentally ill. Nah, I hate that. Remember, I hate that. And here I am saying it over and over. Some of them have such like intense mental health issues that they're even a victim and I'm not saying that it, it's an excuse, but at the end of the day, the fact is sometimes, a lot of times with mental health issues, the victim is also the perpetrator. It's just nobody wins, which is why we need to not just talk about mental health. We need to actually do something about it. What that what that looks like, I don't know. I feel like it's different for everybody, but... I don't think that we're helpless. I think we have the answers. And if we don't have the answers, I know that we can find them. And I know that we can figure this out because we're super smart. This one might shock you. It sure did me when I saw the name. Um, Gordon Ramsay. I will. I know who he is, obviously. I do not watch the show because all of the yelling and this, it just stresses me out immediately. I just can't do it. <clears throat> but anyways, apparently he is not only just a cook with a cooking show, he's also a crusader against illegal shark fishing. I appreciate that. As part of a BBC documentary, Gordon's Shark Bait, he went to Costa Rica to uncover illicit shark fin trade. That's bold. A gang, which authorities believe have ties to an illegal drug network, duh, confronted Ramsey and poured gasoline on him and his film crew. Terrifying. That's terrifying. All they need to do is light a match. I mean, that's just so scary. Then these drug dealer gangs, whatever, they held them at gunpoint and told Ramsey to stop filming the shark fishing crews or he would be shot. They they would all shoot all of them. Uh, At this point, local police recommended Ramsey and his crew leave Costa Rica. Probably like, listen, these guys are serious. You're not safe. Just go home. Oh, terrifying. Okay, so then this one, I knew about this one. And when I know about something, I tend to think most people do because usually I don't, I, it's not that I live under a rock. I just don't watch the news, stuff like that. Uh, 50 Cent. In 2000, an unknown assailant shot rapper Curtis 50 Cent, that's what he goes by, Jackson, shortly before his ascent to fame, nine times outside his grandmother's house in Queens. Shit, I didn't know that. He spent 13 days in a hospital and the next five months recovering with wounds in his hand, arm, hip, both legs, chest, oh my god, and left cheek. Neither Jackson nor police ever positively identified the shooter. I don't know. I wonder if he knew, but like, the surviving fact was just enough for him or if he was like, listen, if I rat this guy out, it's done for sure. I don't know. Oh, terrifying though. Um, 
Okay, what does this say? So initially, police suspected Daryl Baum goes by Hummel, H-O-M-M-O. I have no idea. Mike Tyson's former bodyguard as the shooter. Okay, shit just got interesting. The theory was that the local drug lord Supreme hired Baum to kill Jackson over a drug dispute. Three weeks after the attempted murder, an unknown assailant shot and killed Baum. Fuck. Like, you messed up, and then now you're dead? That's so... This is a world I cannot even try to pretend to understand. Obviously, this is just like, what the hell? So allegedly, Tyson offered someone $50,000 to take care of the parties responsible for Baum's death. So it just like keeps going, basically. Somebody tries to shoot 50 Cent. Um, They say it was his drug dealer hiring Baum, who was Tyson's bodyguard. So then somebody kills Baum, and then now Tyson's pissed and and offering money to take care of people who killed Baum. I mean, it just, it doesn't end, I feel like. Which is why, just don't shoot anyone and then this isn't even an issue. Am I right? So in 2005, rival rappers of Murder, Inc. reportedly testified against Supreme for his involvement in the attempt on Jackson's life. So it seems like Supreme, this drug lord, was somehow involved. Like there's, it seems like there's too much evidence, especially when a rival rapper will testify against somebody so powerful like this supreme dude for somebody that they're competing against like that kind of for me again this is strictly opinion of that seals the deal i feel like it had to have been supreme do you have a drink nearby perhaps champagne like i suggested earlier i hope so because i just came up with a new drinking game to add on to the other drinking game i proposed last episode every time i say science or terrifying, take a drink. And if you listen to the last couple of sections, terrifying comes up a lot. You're welcome. Stay tuned. Like, stay with me. Chug some water in between. I will try not to do it too much, but apparently that's my word for this episode. So our next celebrity would be Madonna, who had multiple encounters with stalker Robert Dewey Hoskins. But in 1996, he actually jumped the fence of her Hollywood Hills compound. He declared he would either marry the singer or slash her throat. Holy shit. Not any other options. He goes zero to ten in no time. Am I right? Whoa. I mean, that's so disconcerting. You're welcome. I didn't say the other one, the other word that were. I will. Just you wait. Um, oh, the mental health is just so obviously an issue you i will either marry this singer or i will slash her throat are you like bro what what does the world look like through your eyes i i I don't want to know but it's like i have to figure like i have to know because what oh wow okay so one of her bodyguards shot him oh so not shoot to kill just shoot to injure i can appreciate that (laughs) and police took him into custody Oh, okay. Let out that breath if you've been holding it in. Madonna wasn't home at the time, but she did testify against him later on. Thank God she wasn't home, even though the bodyguard took care of it. Like, that's just scary, to say the least. Okay, it gets worse. 
Oh, here we go. Rubbing my neck already. We're only 90. I don't even know. Are we halfway? I'm not sure, but this is a light episode. However, it's still like, what? So in 2012, Dewey escaped from a mental hospital in Los Angeles, where the courts had sent him after an unrelated 2011 conviction. He was caught and captured and returned to the mental hospital. Um, obviously he need he does need to be in a mental hospital, but keep that shit on lockdown, yo. Damn, this guy is bent. He is hell-bent on doing something. Teresa Saldana is our next celebrity. I don't, I mean, if you saw her picture, she's gorgeous. Absolutely stunning. Her cheekbones are perfect in that color, and this isn't a, like, really not up-to-date camera you can tell but she's so beautiful um the reason i haven't heard of her is because she was an on the rise actress but she did appear in raging bull in the beatles movie i want to hold your hand i believe i've seen both but it's neither here nor there i don't know for sure so this guy named arthur richard jackson was a 47 uh, year old drifter from aberdeen scotland one day he flew across the world and illegally entered the U.S. with a plan to find Saldana and kill her. Reportedly, he intended to join her in the afterlife after the state executed him for her murder. Again, the mental health is jumping out and just screaming for attention. In 1982, Jackson hired a private investigator. <laughs> Shit, this is scary. That is, get your drink ready. That's terrifying. Because I never even thought of that aspect. That anyone, like, I'm thinking if you're hiring a private investigator, you have good intentions. Or you, I don't know, just something not so, more innocent. But that's not true. And that just makes another time of, what are words? I'm sorry, what? I'm so, this one really got, that sentence got me. Because it makes me remember intention is everything. And be just because I can't understand the fact that somebody who is so mentally health like compromised could hire or would even think of it a private investigator I reserve that for like I don't know cases or like if you think your spouse is cheating on you or stuff like that like that is oh a side of it I never even thought about and I don't know how until now here we are I'm gonna get through this shit Oh, okay. Um, where are we even at? Damn. So he hired this private investigator to find out um, what Saldana's mother's phone number was. And then when he found that out, he called her pretending to be, <laughs> okay, Martin Scorsese, looking for Saldana herself. So then Saldana's mother gave her like, without even questioning, just which happens all the time, confidence is everything. If you ask somebody for something or pretend to know something confidently, no one will question you. Try it out in any way you can, and it will f blow your mind. Um, so her mom's like, oh, yeah, but here we are. Let me, let me get that for you. Gave him her daughter's West Hollywood address. Jackson drove there and stabbed her 10 times with a hunting knife. Also terrifying. Drink again, because that is bone chilling. A knife alone is bone chilling, but a hunting knife, it's just like and that little 
detail that just really pushes me over the edge personally with my freak out factor. Oh, okay. This is awesome. You guys, I love that I don't read this before. I know I've said it. Maybe that'll be the third drinking game. I don't know. Whatever. But I love that I don't read this before because it's so exciting to be recording and then finding this out as you're listening, but in a different way. It's just so interesting. It's so much fun. So she survives, you guys. She survives. Thanks to a delivery man rushing to her rescue and pulling Jackson off her. Delivery man, I personally want to say thank you. That's brave. Obviously, you went into fight or flight mode and you did the right thing and so grateful. Uh, She made a full recovery and the courts committed Jackson to a mental institution. Not a surprise. Where he died in 2004. So after she recovers, she became a prominent advocate for victims' rights. Oh, this is so awesome. And founded Victims for Victims. You guys, I'm, I'm going to look into that uh, once I take a break here because I need to know what that is and maybe even talk about it and tell you guys about it. She also played herself in a TV movie about her attack. Sister, get it. PTSD alone, that like is so that would be so difficult that would be the hardest thing to do i think after going through something like that so traumatic and then playing yourself and reliving it so brave i'm looking more into this woman because i love her i love her breaks over i am back with some more information on teresa saldana herself and victims for victims so she, the first thing I saw was Teresa Saldana, actress and attack survivor, dies at 61 and my heart broke because I don't know why I just felt in love with her just reading that little paragraph from my article. The, not my article, you know what I mean. Um, so they say that her death was reported by the Associated Press, but they didn't state a cause. 61, that's so young. Um... Let's see. There's so much stuff. So I actually was wondering, like a delivery man, did he, where did this attack happen? All that stuff. It actually happened. She was leaving her apartment building in West Hollywood to go to a music class. And this man approached her, which now we know was her assailant. Um, and asked if she was Teresa Saldana, which to me is weird. Cause if you were so obsessed with her, I feel like you would know who she was if you saw her. You wouldn't have to ask that question. But then again, I'm not in that person's shoes and I don't want to be. So we'll leave that be and let it be what it is. Um, so let's see. Okay, this part was just crazy. So when she's in court, she this is a direct quote. I will never forget the searing, ghastly pain, the grotesque and devastating experience of this person nearly butchering me to death, or the bone-chilling sight of my own blood splattered everywhere. She told this to a judge in 1984. God damn, that's just insane. Um, okay, so the guy that was doing all of that, Arthur Jackson... He actually ended up later on saying he wished he would have used a gun because it would have given him a better chance of reunion with her in heaven. Oh, come on, man. So then, after that, she forms Victim for Victims, an organization. So this organization is devoted to helping others who have suffered violent attacks and to campaigning for anti-stalker laws. 
get it. Um, okay, this is so cool. So she, once she heals, she does the boss babe, badass bitch move of continuing her acting career. Yes, love this. I can't possibly love this anymore. Um, after the TV movie that we talked about where she played herself, victim, Victims for Victims, the Teresa Saldana story, she appeared in the 1984 Charles Bronson film, The Evil That Men Do, and in guest roles on several television series. So in the early 90s, she started a role as in the television series The Comish as Rachel Scully, who was the wife of the police commissioner, Tony Scully, played by Michael Chiklis. She was born on August 20th, 1954 in Brooklyn. Uh, she took da- dance lessons as a child. Aww. And so after she had a serious shoulder injury while part of a tumbling team, she decided to enroll in acting. So she's at 12. That was when she was 12. So she's obviously a creative, um, can't stop her, my kind of girl. I think I like to think we would have been friends. Oh, I get a kick out of myself sometimes, but I do. I feel like, I feel like she, certain celebrities you hear about and whatever, and you can appreciate their work, but like, you can't relate to them on that, like soul level. Like, I feel like we really, truly, if we were around each other, we would have been fast friends. Uh, and I hate that she's not here because I don't know. She's just fascinating to me. So there's more stuff, but you know, oh shit, there's a lot more stuff, but maybe I'll, you know what, maybe we'll save this for another episode because she certainly deserves it. She really does. But for now, we're going to move on to the next one, which, what? Okay, this is something I did not know. Ryan Seacrest. In 2009, police arrested, bear with me, this name is impossible, Chidi Uzuma Jr., an ex-shoulder. He w- he used to be a shoulder. Now he's just like a normal human body. No. <laughs> An ex-soldier turned stalker. Everybody, get your drinks ready. That's terrifying. The training to be a soldier, the things you see, and then to turn into a stalker, like, that is not a good mix. Uh, so witnesses reported him... For walking the halls of the East Studio. Apparently, he was carrying a knife and looking specifically for Ryan Seacrest, who is the host of E! News and later on became the host of American Idol, obviously. I feel like everyone knows that. So police had apprehended him once before for trying to get to Seacrest in Orange County and attacking one of his bodyguards. What the fuck? Are you kidding me, you guys? Oh, Okay, this next one is hilarious, but in a weird way. So the court sentenced this 26-year-old Zoma to two years in prison, just two, no biggie, and ordered him, this is the best part, like this is laughable, ordered him to stay away from Seacrest for at least a decade. Where do I start with why that's so weird? Um, It's not, it's like, it feels like a parent talking to a kid. Like, I I demand you will not date until you're 16. Like, what the fuck? you saying that doesn't change anything. If he's free, he's free to do what he wants. Like, I'm telling you, don't do that. Like, don't kill. That's one thing. You stay away from Seacrest. And then we have to add the limit for a decade, at least. So 10 years, 
but then the at least 10 years like what what are you saying like that's confusing even to me this guy's clearly messed up he's got mental health issues left and right how do you think he heard that sentence not normal because it's not a normal sentence that's so strange ryan seacrest i hope you're good bud i hope you have really good security and i hope you just stay aware all the time because this dude is not i don't have a good feeling about him somebody does anybody have eyes on this uzoma guy anybody okay listen shit's getting very serious for me i thought this was a light episode i am i am practically shaking in my shoes i'm not kidding this was so much more than i realized so this name polly i want to say Perret, but it's P-E-R-R-E, P-E-R-R-E-T-T-E, Polly Perrette. I'm just going to say Perrette. She's our girl, Abby, from NCIS. A very important show to me. My dad and I have watched that show for so long. Some of my best pet, like, friends in the past have watched that with me. Like, that's like, that show, for whatever reason, it has some meaning to me. Like, I will defend that show. I love that show. It's important to me just memories and core like core memories so this one is like makes me feel like I need to just walk away erase all the horrible things people do and just like somebody needs to give me a big hug basically so a 45 year old transient named David Merck attacked NCIS actress Polly Perrette in November of 2015 According to police, Perrette was walking in her L.A. neighborhood. Just picture yourself in your own neighborhood right now. Whoever you are, wherever you live, picture yourself just going for a walk. Something you probably do all the time. And then someone doing this to you. So she's going for a walk in her neighborhood. He, remember his name's Merck, grabs her by the arm and attempts to drag her away. Hell to the no. No. She, oh my God, Abby, not Abby, it's Polly, but come on, let me have my moment. So she persuades him to let her go, and then she calls the police as soon as he does, and they end up finding him at a nearby 7-Eleven. How does she persuade, I want to be, not a fly on the wall because they're outside, I want to be a bug on a tree or something, an ant on the sidewalk nearby, and know how the hell she did that. Good for you, Polly, but like, that's not an easy thing to do. If somebody is intent on dragging you away, like you've been targeted and they're trying to get you away. How do you persuade? I don't know. That's fascinating to me. I'm so interested to know more about that. And you best know, I'm going to be looking that up as soon as I can. I don't know that I'll find anything. If I do, I'll let you know, but there's more to that story for sure. So this guy, Merck, um, he actually had a pre-existing criminal record. Don't they all? I mean, come on. I'm not being prejudiced. It's just like, don't they always look into all these things that happened, all these cases? Like, it's never their first time. But what's fascinating is at one point it was their first time. And what was that? What crime was that? Oh, you guys, we could just go down this rabbit hole forever and only come out with more questions. So let's stay focused, Brit. Let's do it. Earth to Brit, right? <laughs> For real. Pay attention. 
So um, he ends up pleading not guilty to felony assault charges. Oh, no surprise. The courts found Merck unfit to stand trial. That's not that easy to do, by the way. And sent him to a mental facility. Okay. Hmm. So he's at this mental facility and he is released in 2018. That was last year. Damn, Merck. I hope you're okay because obviously she was able to get you to let her go, which means you might not be like malicious, but I just hope you're okay, bub. I do. And Polly, you're so, that's so amazing that you were able to persuade him. You, have you ever looked into um, like hostage work? You could be that negotiator. I feel like you could do it. If anyone can do it, it's going to be you. Um, okay, this next one. Hmm. For some reason, I don't... He looks familiar, but I don't really know for sure. Larry Flint. In 1978, a sniper shot and paralyzed hustler, publisher, and free speech crusader Larry Flint. What? Oh, a sniper. Oh, you guys, get your drinks ready. That's absolutely 100% terrifying. Terrifying, terrifying, terrifying. Drink, drink, drink. That's insane. So scary. At the time of the shooting, Flint was leaving a courthouse in Georgia where he was on trial for obscenity. Well, I mean, if you're a free speech activist, you're going to probably find yourself on trial for obscenity. Just a guess. I'm not surprised. However, the fact that it's 1978 and you're in trial for obscenity, what did you say? I feel like I wasn't alive, obviously, but those had to be some... You had to say something crazy to have that. That's like hippie love, all that fun stuff. Like, what What did you do, bro? Uh, the shooter, who was a white supremacist named Joseph Paul Franklin, that's like the... Listen, that is the whitest name ever. So I'm not surprised. Joseph, you didn't even stand a chance. Your parents were like, basically, this is what you're going to be. Or you're going to lean this way because your name is white as F. Um, He later on admitted to the attack, claiming an interracial sex photo shoot in in, an issue of Hustler outraged him. Okay. I read it. Didn't didn't let the word sink in as soon as I read, like, actually, like, comprehended the words i'm just like fuck you joseph joseph paul franklin you can go fuck yourself because i can't i can't i cannot go on with that we're gonna walk away from it cannot do it uh missouri law enforcement eventually arrested franklin for shooting up a st louis synagogue oh okay so we oh who do you just literally white people i mean i guess white supremacists i just how how is this a thing? How? So Franklin, this white ass dude who only loves whites, obviously, very boring guy, diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenic. He claims to have killed over two dozen people. Not sure about that. I hope it's a lie. Um, I can't. I can't look in further because I just can't stand this guy. So the courts find him guilty, obviously. Oh, shit. Oh, you guys. Okay. I want to look up Flint 
this guy that was paralyzed because I feel a kindred, I can relate to this. So the courts found him guilty and executed him. So they actually followed through in 2013, killed him. Reportedly, Flint opposed the execution. I would be the same, and I don't care what anyone says. I know that's crazy. In quotes, like, oh, that's so crazy. It's really not, like, an eye for an eye, just, it's this quote from Gandhi. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. How is it, I don't know that we can do this, you guys. I can't get into this because I'm going to talk about shit that, like, is not even relevant to this episode. How can you say, like, Oh, you did this thing wrong. Now we do this thing wrong. That just continues the cycle. And two wrongs does not make a right. You do not have the right to take a life. So when somebody takes somebody else's life or paralyzes them like that, that does not mean that you have the right to kill them. It's hard. I know. And I know it's just an opinion. But I can, I mean, I'm the most open-minded person I know, and I just cannot see this any other way. It's absolutely hard. It's the hardest thing ever, especially if somebody in your family was murdered, but that doesn't mean that anyone has the right to take that person's life. It's just so messed up. But I'm not going to talk about that anymore because I know that's a very hot topic, which I'm not opposed to talking about. And I feel like this is appropriate considering that Flint was a free speech crusader. He wanted this shit like out in the open and he wanted people to talk about what like real shit, but I can't do it right now because I've got more to cover. And that wasn't, I I was not expecting to go in this direction. So going to take another quick break. I'll be back with some more celebrities who were either attacked or murdered. And I hope to God I can make it through without losing my mind because I feel like I'm my hair. You should see it. It's crazy. It is all over. It's wild. It's not it's not good. This is not a good look for me. So I'm going to pull it together. Take a deep breath. Do some yoga. I'll be back. It's time to buckle down and get through this. I know I can do it. Hang with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Moving on. We've got Bob Marley. I love Bob Marley. I, I love him. I love him. I love him. I always will. Love him. And Ziggy too. Both. Just cannot get enough. Reggae is just a part of just my childhood. It's a part of my, like before I mentioned core memories. It's just, it's a part of me it feels like. So, in 1976, unknown shooters attacked Bob Marley, his wife, and his manager two days before a concert that Marley had helped to organize with the goal of um, uniting opposing political factions in Jamaica. He ended up with some minor wounds, but he he also ended up playing at the concert despite the shooting. Uh, They never did identify the assailants, as was mentioned, But then in 1981, he died of cancer, which conspiracy theorists believe was a successful attempt on his life. I'm intrigued. There's a link for more. However, I am really cutting it close and I'm, I don't want, I don't want to push myself over the edge of like more, more, more. So that could be another thing in the future. However, just know that there are conspiracy theorists that believe that this cancer that he died from in 1981 was actually an attempt on his life. I'm not, a, I'm not saying that I think that's wrong. I'm not saying that I think that's true. I want to know more. I do, for sure. 
So next one is Garrett Morris. Again, he looks familiar from this picture, but I don't recognize that name. Oh my God, that's amazing. So Garrett Morris was a member of the original Saturday Night Live cast until 1980. That is, get it. I'm going to have to look up some of his work after this, and I suggest you do the same because he looks like he'd be good. Obviously, he's he's one of the OG. So in 1994, a mugger shot him in L.A. It was reported that two men approached him, um, and then he tried to fight them off, and he sustained wounds in the chest, arm, and stomach. So I'm guessing, hmm, they didn't really give details enough to make sense, but damn. So the doctors performed about 10 operations on Morris, who at the time he had to drop out of his role on the TV series Martin because of the shooting. Um, oh, so he didn't die. Okay. Sorry, you guys. I'm trying to make sense of this. So he was shot and had a lot of issues, like a lot of issues. And they had 10 operations going on him. And, and just all of that with recovery, it makes sense. Of course, he had to drop out. But he was on the TV series Martin at one time, but because of this, had to drop out. The next one, everybody, everybody knows this one, is Tupac Shakur. So Tupac, he survived the first attempt on his life in 1994 when there was a shooting in the lobby of a recording studio in Manhattan. Uh, Tupac believed that attack was a setup as opposed to a robbery since the three shooters didn't take his Rolex. So they apparently tried to like make it look like he was being robbed, but they didn't even take his Rolex. Like a Rolex, that's if you're actually robbing somebody, that's one of the first things, if not the first thing you take. So smart, maybe paranoid, but I don't think so. I think that was smart to assume that. Um, this part sucks because I like them both. So it sucks. Uh, he accused rappers Notorious B.I.G. Big and Puff Daddy of orchestrating the attack, which ended up taking place right before Tupac was due to receive a verdict for a sexual assault case he was facing. Later on in 1996, an unknown shooter killed Tupac in a Las Vegas drive-by. So, let's see. Oh, okay. Later on in 2011, a shooter named Dexter Isaac admitted to authorities that... Wait, hold on. This sent, What? He admitted to authorities former talent agent James Rosemond, a.k.a. Jimmy Henchman, Oh, so he told the police that the former talent agent, who goes by James Rosemond, a.k.a. Jimmy Henchman, hired him to attack Tupac in 1994, that original shooting. He alleged no connection to the fatal shooting in 1996. So basically, this guy hires him to attack Tupac in 94. But then he, and he's caught later on and tells them, like, no, like, that's true, the 1994, but I was not involved in the one that killed him in 96. I don't, so Tupac's murder still remains unsolved. That bugs me. Um, who knows? Like, it, he could be being honest, but he could also be lying because why would you admit that? Like, the actual fatal shooting, like, yeah, I tried to attack him, whatever, it's fine. He lived. But then to admit to that one that killed him, no one in their right mind would do that. 
Oh my God, you guys, you've got to be shitting me. I thought I had two more after this. <sighs> I don't. There's so many more. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five. Oh my God. And the last one I just caught was crazy. So let's, let me, hmm. Okay. I'm going to be, oh, I hate that I can't give this the attention I want to, but we're going to, I'm just going to give you guys the facts. So next one is Andy Warhol, uh, who, let's see, apparently was shot on December 3rd, 1968 by activist Valeria Solanas. Uh, Solanas, who was a sole member of an organization she founded called the Cutting Up Men get your drinks ready. That is fucking terrifying. What is that even? Wanted Warhol to produce her play. Actually, I heard about this um, on another podcast. I can't remember which one. I would give due credit. I'm sorry, but I've heard about it on another po murder podcast and it was really like the details I had were crazy fascinating. So earlier on the day of the shooting, security removed Solanus, the shooter, from the factory after allegedly trying to get her script back. So she came back like, I want my script, whatever. She shot Warhol, Warhol and art critic Mary Amaya when she saw Warhol on the street. He sustained major physical and psychological injuries from the attack. Oh, this is so sad. Because so much more happens than the physical. Any attack, there's so much more. I feel like more mental than physical every time. Just an opinion, but a very strong one. Uh, as a result, he developed an intense fear of hospitals, which subsequently factored into his 1987 death. So later on, psychiatrists uh, diagnosed Solanus as schizophrenic, and she pled guilty to the attack on Warhol and served three years in prison. I'm sorry. Again, it's like, how do we dole out punishments when this man was so severely affected mentally and physically? And she obviously had clearly schizophrenic, had mental health issues, and she only served three years. I'm not saying I want her to spend time in prison. I don't think that helps anyone. I don't think that reforms anyone. It's like all we know, like, it's like when you have a kid going out of their mind and you're just like, you're in timeout because you don't know what else to do with them. But there is something better. We just don't know what it is yet. That's my opinion. Again, full of them tonight, apparently. But I just feel like she needs more, like, actual help, not prison. But the fact that it's only three years in prison is just crazy. So this next one is McJagger in 1969. Following the alleged Hells Angels stabbing of a man at the Altamont Free Concert, Jagger and the other Rolling Stones publicly pilloried the bikers gang, biker gang's behavior and refused to ever hire them again. So basically they were like, no, we don't want to be associated with you. We do not appreciate that behavior. We do not agree with it. The Angels responded with a plan to storm Jagger's Long Island mansion from the sea, from the sea and murder him. Get your drinks. Terrifying, 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 terrifying. I am terrified. They were going to storm his house from the sea. You would never, I would never expect, I wouldn't expect anyone to storm my house. But if they did and I live next to the ocean, no way. It's the last place you'd think, I can't handle this, you guys. So, the gang armed themselves with weapons got in a boat, and sailed toward Jagger's home. Oh, God. 
Okay, so a storm sank the boat before they could reach the estate. Maybe check the weather before you do shit like that. Just saying. I don't want to help you out, but that's kind of basic, basic things you would do. Like preparation, maybe? Again, I don't want to help you out, so just erase all that. Forget what I said. <laughs> uh, the wreck did not injure any gang members, but they decided to call off the attack. Good. Uh, they actually also continued to deny their part in the Altamont stabbing. So I don't know how that fits in. I, I don't have time to focus on that because we've got three more. So we've got three more. I need to take a break. I need some water. I've got to move around a little bit. I'm going to finish this up when I come back. It's pretty, the last three, I don't know, pretty interesting. So stay tuned. Jackie Chan was involved in a long-running feud with the Hong Kong triads, Chinese organized crime. So triads must mean Chinese organized crime, whatever. That had infested the local film industry and routinely shook down producers for money. What? Oh my God. You guys, like, the world is crazy. It's crazy. Like, whatever country you live in, there's obviously shit that's not right. But, oh my goodness, when you aren't used to that, like, oh, it's extra scary. Uh, when Chan first came to America from Hong Kong, a triad sniper, again with the sniper. What the fuck is going on with the snipers? Anybody have info on this? Let me know. A sniper shot at him on the airport tarmac. Wow, wasting no time. You landed? Good. Gonna try to kill you. That's so weird. It's weird. It's not right. It's not right. In 2012, Chan said triad men armed with machetes later surrounded him when he was out to dinner. So, like, I'm thinking, I'm picturing the movies that he's in. Like, this shit's happening all the time. No wonder he's so good in these movies. It's because that's what he knows. Apparently. Damn. Uh, in response to the attacks, Chan armed himself with guns and grenades and hired muscle from mainland China. Um, okay. Shit. So eventually he paid them off and they left him alone. Still, like, to have to have guns and grenades. G and G. I feel like that's a new hashtag. Hashtag guns and grenades. Kind of wild. Um... And hiring muscle from mainland China. I don't know. That one's that one's a little bit more out of my realm than I'm used to. Uh, the next one is Paul Pierce. In 2000, just two years into his NBA career. Damn. I don't like this. Okay. I don't like this at all. Two men stabbed Paul Pierce 11 times. In the face. That's bad enough. Neck. I'm going to throw up and back. Somebody catch me as I'm passing out because are you kidding me? That's so disgusting. My body is full of goosebumps. It's painful. And the reason they stabbed him is because he was trying to break up a fight at a Boston club. He was trying to do the right thing. The the normal, healthy, not, I, uh, I don't hate the word normal. I'm just like, what does it even mean? It's controversial, but... The normal or healthy or common reaction would be to break up the fight, which is what he was trying to do. And then this happens to him. 
bullshit. That's so messed up. Courts ended up convicting William Ragland of attempted murder and Trevor Watson of assault. Ragland received up to a 10-year sentence while Watson received a one-year sentence as an accomplice. I feel like obviously people were drinking, not that that's an excuse, but it it changes everything. There, I mean, think about everyone, anyone who has drank before or been drunk before. Well, most people, whatever. I'm not going to get too caught up in the like wording of this, but if you've drank before or, you know, have gone out with friends and whatnot, like, you know what it's like to have that one time when you're just so embarrassed by how you behave and you're just like, oh my God, like, that's not even me at all. That happens. This seems like something so much more like above and beyond that situation. Luckily, he turned out okay, but it's like, damn, you try to do the right thing and sometimes you might get stabbed. I, I mean, I guess roll your the dice. I don't know. Uh, this next one, this last one, actually, last one. Oh, it's so crazy to me because I love her. I love her voice. I love her name. I just, she's amazing. I would ne- I just was not expecting to see her on this list. I wasn't expecting to see anyone, but still, like she, this one caught me by surprise. So Joss Stone, she's a singer. If you don't know about her, look her up. In 2011, Junior Bradshaw and Kevin Liverpool scouted Bridget. Bleh, excuse me, one second. Give me a second to try that again. They scouted British soul singer Joss Stone's house. They were armed with a sword, hammers. Okay, listen, get your drinks, everybody, get them, bring them up to your mouth. Hammers terrifying 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 oh i don't like this at all on top of everything else so sword hammers knives gloves rope and masks with the intention to rob and behead her everybody whatever drink you have in your hand chug it that is so terrifying and a level that i cannot communicate with you right i can't communicate it to you right now i can't translate this terror i'm feeling behead her that's so sinister and just like extreme and i the goosebumps on my body are painful i don't like this i don't like this i thought this was gonna be a light episode holy shit okay god it's like i don't i don't i don't know how to deal with this so Neighbors spotted their banged-up vehicle idling in her wealthy neighborhood. So, obviously, a contrast. Like, what the fuck is this beater doing in this amazing neighborhood? Also, I've noticed that people that live in those neighborhoods, they pay attention to things that don't belong. We should all be doing that, mind you. So, they call the police, and they search the car's trunk and arrested the two men. British courts sentenced Liverpool, who was like the mastermind. He organized the entire thing to 10 years in a prison. Again, mental health comes in for Bradshaw, who the court sentenced to. They sent him not to prison, but to a psychiatric facility because he was a diagnosed schizophrenic people. 
It's a real thing. Mental illness, mental health issues, it's real. And while these stories I've been telling you this episode are, I would hope, the extreme, there are other things. Like there are people who have the same issues that don't end up doing something crazy like this or as wild as this. It's real. And that doesn't make them, the person suffering from the mental issue, any different or any less than anybody else who has a broken leg, a broken arm, a broken hand. It's the same thing. You did not do something to cause that. Unless, of course, like drugs or whatever, but that's for another day. Basic facts, like you didn't ask for it, you didn't cause it, you didn't do anything wrong. You're just living your life, but the chemical imbalances are too much. And then experiences that completely feed that fire if that's there. Oh, I could go on about this all day, which is why I chose for season two when I found out I was doing true crime. I insisted that psychology be incorporated because, again, I will tell this to you every day. I will never stop saying it. The two are the same. There is no crime committed that does not have some form of mental health issues associated with it. And that's not even an opinion. That's a fact. Thank God, it probably was an opinion back in the day, but now we're here, almost 2020, raise your glasses and drink to that because it's true and it is it's it is what it is. However, I have spent enough time with you guys tonight. I have taken up enough of your time, but I hope that the time I've taken, you've enjoyed, that you've learned something. I know I have. I've got a lot of research I'm going to be doing as soon as I hit end episode. I am going to go crazy looking up all the things that caught my eye during this recording, which were a lot. Wish me luck. You're probably going to hear about a lot of them in the future. Otherwise, here's to you. Here's to me. Here's to us. It's to, it's going to be 2020 any minute now. That's amazing. And whatever you went through this year be it a good year, a bad year, a mediocre, whatever it was for you, you're not alone. I am here for you. Reach out to me if you need to for any reason. I don't care. Don't stab me. Don't try to stab me. Do not hire a private investigator to find me. Don't you dare. If you're a sniper, stay the fuck away. I don't want, I don't want that in my life. Otherwise, reach out to me. I'm a super friendly person and I'm reachable. I'm attainable. Okay. So just like, don't go to extremes. Don't do anything that I just talked about. Don't do any of that to me, please. I will talk to you. I will reach out to you. I will, I will respond to you. You don't need to take it that far. Okay. Hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned for next week's episode, which is not the one I talked about in the beginning that was so heavy that had me crying, just skimming the article. This is one actually I can attest, like I I was in it. I was in the middle of it. I was in the thick of it before, during, and after. And that is the shooting, the school shooting at NIU, Northern Illinois University, by his last name's Casimir Zach. I'm not giving you any more information because it's a well-known thing. It's a well-known uh, event, unfortunately. Um but I hope to bring forward some insider experiences, some inside info that 
are not available on the internet or anywhere else. And I don't ever want to have to, I don't like that I'm able to do that, but the fact that I'm able to do that with this, with this specific shooting, it's, I feel like it's my duty to do that, to share. And, um, hopefully, you know, bring some light to it or like help people remember the hellhole day that was Valentine's Day that year, 2008. It was not, it was, it was crazy. So look forward to that next week, unless I can't handle it, but I don't, I think I can buckle up and, and just like do the thing because it is what it is. Like I said, it happened. We got to talk about it. And I have inside experience in every direction that I feel is important because I don't want people to forget those who were affected that day and those who were killed, those who were injured, and just, again, those who were affected. It affects every act, whether it's a good or bad act, it affects so many people in so many ways that we can't, there's no math, mathematical equation. There's nothing that we can do to understand it or compute it. Because it's just that, it's that traumatic. Uh, But I hope to at least bring maybe some new light, some fresh light, especially coming into 2020. I didn't want to wait until Valentine's Day to do this because I feel, I just feel called, like I feel like a magnet, like I'm magnet, magnet. Okay, easy. I got to remind myself to chill the fuck out. Magnet. I feel like there's a magnet and I'm a magnet and I'm being pulled to this for next week don't know why I just I follow my calls when they're that strong and this one's strong so next week will be the NIU shooting um just gives me chill it like really just like my whole body just slows down everything's just like like a suction like in your like if you were in a room full of suck just like whoa crazy um but yeah that's gonna be next week like I said, unless something else happens, but stay tuned for that. Prepare yourself for that, especially if you have ever been a student uh, at NIU, if you're there now, if you were in the past, if you knew somebody during this situation, um, or if you know somebody now after the fact, doesn't matter. If If you feel called to that, or if you know anything about that situation in any way, shape, or form, And even if you don't, especially if you don't, tune in next week. You're going to get the facts and then some, not lucky because it's not lucky at all, but you're going to get information that isn't available to everybody else because they they might be giving it to you from a place of not having been there. So that that should be interesting. If nothing else, it'll be informational. And a remembrance of everyone affected. Those who I talk about and those who I don't. Uh, So yeah, enjoy your New Year's. Do not drive, especially if you're drinking. But even if you are not drinking for whatever reason, you do you. I cannot relate personally, but maybe just like wherever you're at, stay. Because there are people drinking and driving. And that's just as dangerous, even if you don't which is terrifying. Take a drink. 
take a drink that is terrifying because it's like a reminder of, hey, I have no control over anyone else. Even if I'm doing the right thing, that doesn't mean shit. Bad things can happen. Be aware, stay aware, be on point, think about shit, and just be smart, okay? And be careful. Enjoy the rest of your night. I cannot wait for next week. Enjoy 2020. Again, 2020. Let that sink in if it's possible. I cannot believe it. I love you guys. Have a good one. Goodbye. false alarm. I'm back just to really quick deliver what I promised I would at the beginning of the episode, which is the fact that today is champagne day. December 31st is champagne day. And if you've never had champagne, look into this holiday because it's more likely that you've had sparkling white wine as the fact is there are only four actual champagnes available from France. Uh, so basically how to celebrate champagne is champagne day is to find these four true champagnes, gather your favorite friends and family, and just have a good night. Maybe, uh, do that while you're listening to the episode and enjoy your champagne while you do the drinking game that I did not even plan to have happen, but ended up making and creating in the middle of my episode. No big deal. That's what I do here at Earth to Brit. I just fly by the seat of my pants. For real. Anyways, happy champagne day. Happy last day of Blue Christmas. Listen to last week's episode to learn more about that. Or just Google it. Whatever you gotta do. But I gotta go. It's been a long ass episode. And our heat's out right now. And I'm freezing and I need to turn my heater back on. Which is really loud. And if I do that, you won't be able to hear me. So, gotta run and keep my blood flowing and stay alive physically at this point because it is so cold. I'm freezing and it's so windy, not helpful in a very old 1920s house. Cue the reason we're dealing with this heating situation. It's worth it though, you guys. It's worth it because the house is just so, mm, it's original and I love it. But there are times like right now that it's a little bit, difficult to deal with, but we'll get through it. We always do. So bye. Love you. Enjoy some champagne. See you next week. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. Earth to Brit can be found wherever you go to get your next podcast fix. My handle on Instagram and Facebook is Earth to Brit Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Earth to Brit Pod. Emails can be sent to earthtobrit.podcast 
at gmail.com. The podcast website is www.anchor.fm slash earth to Brit. Remember, Brit is spelled with two T's, B-R-I-T-T. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is a Yellow Wave production.